A very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards living a better life. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational messages and transformational stories out into the world so others may benefit. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode where today I'm joined by a fellow Brit by the name of Steve Trainer. Steve, a very warm welcome to you, sir. Thank you, Paul. And listeners, Steve is uh, is based in Spain, as I say, with, with myself here, and he is somebody I've recently come to know. And Steve is a physi- physiologist, 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 physiologist (laughs) so just in true authentic style listeners tongue-tied as ever physiologist right steve what does that mean well basically i work in exercise physiology so that is really how the body and movement come together so it combines brain nervous system heart and lungs and muscle recruitment and movement my ears pricked up, Steve. The, the first word that you said there com- combines the brain because that automatically, does it not, conjures up this image of the mind, you know, and that's where I come in. So it, on the surface of it, listeners, Steve and I are coming at this from possibly two totally different different perspectives, or are we? Well, you know, join us, join us on the journey. I'm sure we're going to back this backwards and forwards. We're going to see where it takes us. I think Steve's going to massively advocate, or maybe he's not. I shouldn't assume. What do I know? But I'm assuming that Steve's going to come from the body perspective, and I'm going to come from the mind perspective. And we're going to kind of discuss this thing, body and mind, separate or entwined. You decide, listeners. So, Steve, let's go on that journey then of discovery. So what I've said there with that intro, does that make any sense? You know, can I push you for an answer now right at the top of this conversation? Is the body and mind, is it separate? Is it entwined? Or is that the voyage of discovery we're going to go on? I think looking at it from a physiological point of view, there is no part of the brain that is the mind. Obviously, the brain is a thinking, uh, functioning piece of electrical equipment, really. There's lots of different compartments to it. Uh, Emotions and feelings are involved in it. But it's also attached to a 30,000-year-old model of a human skeleton. (laughs) So uh, the way the, the body is programmed is different to the, the way the modern brain thinks. So straight away, there's a little bit of an anomaly between the brain and the body. Good, good examples of that are, you know, I mean, in modern day life, we don't have to go and hunt food. We don't have to burn calories hunting food. We go to a shop and buy our food. We don't burn the calories because like we're doing now, we're sitting down and we're talking, we're not going out hunting. And whilst the brain has advanced a lot, the body still 
holds those initial requirements of hunting and gathering and burning calories. It's the body's natural uh, preset to store calories and to do the minimum because obviously food hasn't always been that plentiful. Okay, so if that's from a physiological perspective then, Steve, what about from a more wider perspective of um, <coughs> the, the body as a whole? Isn't it, am I oversimplifying it, Steve? I'm playing a bit of a devil's advocate here. Am I oversimplifying it to say the body will do what the mind tells it? Um, you are really, yeah. Uh, um, if it was that simple, then, for instance, things like dieting and exercise wouldn't be a chore for the body. It would be the body's natural uh, preset. So uh, as it is, the way the body functions is to store calories. Uh, and a lot of people have difficulty in losing weight because that's the body's natural position is to store calories. So it is difficult to match the two things. Um, you, you can't, obviously there's ways that you can do that, but it isn't something that you really want to do. So this is why it's so difficult sometimes for people to diet and for people to exercise because it's not really what we're designed to do. Mm, okay, I can see that. Yes, I can accept that. But I also want to throw back at you, Steve, the other side, you know, if I can be, as I say, the advocate for the mind that, and I'll say it again, you body will do what I tell you to do. Because I'm the mind, I'm the control center, I'm the nerve center, I'm the one that send the impulses around this amazing circuitry, what's known as a body, and I'm the gaffer. Um, you know, you look at world-class athletes, the, the way they train the body, you know, world champions, to use that as an extreme example, you know, they push themselves, they, they tell their body and they discipline their body to do a certain thing, don't they? And that comes from that thing called a mind. Yet again, Steve, am I oversimplifying it? Not really, because everything starts there. I mean, it's all about, um, it, it's all about electrical impulses. Mm. And that tells the skeletal system what to do. Um, what happens is over a period of time, the body develops and it changes. It, it, it adapts to the loads that you put up on it. But it's not a natural thing to adapt the body like that. You do have to work at it. And the mind is always in charge in terms of it will tell your body what to do. And obviously, it depends on how strong the person's willpower, if you want, or the person's commitment is to continue that battle. Because it, if it was that easy, we would all be world-class athletes. Yeah, I can see, I can see the rationale of that point, Steve. But I can also um, see where, let's put it this way, that for us to have a, a good life, whatever good means to the individual. And that's going to, that's so subjective. I mean, what does good mean? You know, it's what one person thinks the other may not. And there's no right, there's no wrong, but it's about us living this life that we enjoy, isn't it? I think that's probably a fair, and I know that's a massive umbrella generalization, but you know, we, we just kind of want to be happy, don't we? There again, what, what is happiness? So there's this whole thing around, 
you know, whether I'm kind of judged fat, thin, average, you know, any of those labels that external society sticks on us because it's the perception of the world, surely that's governed by our own mind and how we perceive it and being comfortable in, within our own mind first before we're comfortable in our own body. It, it is, but I think it's down to acceptance. I think the other thing is when, when you say it's the pressures that that's put upon us by being fat or thin or, uh, you know, those sort of labels, um, people are labelled obese, for instance, simply so that the, the government can combine, uh, compile lists and averages and statistics so that it can see what the health of the nation is like, for instance, because it, it, it's a fact that obesity is an illness. It causes premature death. It affects lots of different systems of the body. And it's generally, it, it's a strange thing. I was just having a discussion with someone about this the other day. And uh, if it, it, it's sometimes people dwell on over, uh, being overweight too much. People would think nothing, and it's happened to me, people would think nothing of perhaps not seeing you for six months and coming to you and saying, my God, Steve, you've lost weight. Are you okay? Are you ill? But you would never go to someone that was overweight and say, my God, Steve, you look really fat. Are you ill? <laughs> I suppose, Steve, that, that all depends on some of the company we keep, but I, I take you well, point. <laughs> it wouldn't be as acceptable. But it seemed to be that people automatically think that if you're very slim or slim, it it's sort of, in a lot of ways, is a compliment when sometimes for some people it isn't. It's a really bad thing. Yeah, and that brings in our whole, I love the word that you've used two or three times already, Steve, acceptance. And it brings in, you know, for me, with acceptance comes this whole this whole journey from an early age of, um, you know, this this thing about conditioning, expectation, you know, and all these, we've used this term between us already, these labels and this whole, but I mean, until we take that control back and say, well, hang on, to quote Shirley Bassey, this is my life, not yours. And I don't give, give a damn whether you think I'm fat, thin, you know, tall, short or whatever your label is. You are giving me that label. So by definition, the label is yours. Perhaps that says more about the giver of the label than actual the, actually the potential receiver. Now that's the kind of theory, but as human beings, we have sensitivities, we have vulnerabilities, we have insecurities. You know, that's that's part of you know the acceptance again of, of being a human being. But we don't do we? We kind of know I'm gonna I'm gonna lose that weight, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, and all this kind of stuff that's rolled into it. So for me, Steve, it just really reinforces this constant dance between body and mind. It's almost a chicken and egg type discussion, is it not? It is, but I think there's two ways of coming at this. There's, number one, if you personally uh, don't like the way that you present, it, it, and that isn't just physically, that's also mentally, because we don't just have physical fitness, we have social fitness and we have mental fitness. So we have to be aware of 
people around us as well as ourselves. The other angle to come at it from is a health angle. And as I said earlier, there are certain body types or certain body shapes. Um, we was talking about obesity earlier. Um, obesity is only there so the government can, you know, can actually use figures and, and say 50% of men over the age of 50 are obese or overweight or whatever. And it is a health issue. So it really depends how you balance it yourself. If you aren't too worried about a health issue and you're happy with the way you look, then not necessarily the way you look, but your size, be big or small, then that should be okay. But we get this, there is the social thing. And what you were saying earlier about what's been put into you, that is a heredity thing, but it's a lifestyle heredity thing. You know, how your parents teach you to cook, that's how you cook. How your parents eat, that's how you eat. Um, we taught things from cradle to grave, but the first eight or nine years of life is where we take most things in. And those are the things that tend to stay with us. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of studies, well, very consistent studies from uh, eminent practitioners where they, I think they even narrow that down a bit more, Steve, don't they, up till the age of five, where we are literally like a sponge. And, you know, the, the awareness of taking things in, but I would actually take it back further than that. Because when you look at the, and we're kind of going a little bit left field here, but when you look at the evolution as, as, as a species and how we, we learn to survive, if, if you will, even from a very early age, you take a baby, a baby learns very, very quickly that if it cries, it gets attention, it gets fed, it gets changed or whatever, it gets comforted. And that becomes a mechanism for, oh, okay, all of a sudden, if I... If I play to the audience or act a certain way, I'm going to get attention. I mean, I'm, you know, this could open up the whole sick human needs scenario, but that's maybe another time, another place, because I think there's a fantastic dynamic with that, Steve, in terms of what we're talking about. But let's park that. Let's not go too left field, uh, too far left field on this. So this whole kind of thing of learning from an early age, training the mind, if you will, even subconsciously, of this is survival from a very, very, very basic early age. And as time goes by, isn't it true that, you know, we pick up these, these conditions, this way of being, be it from our parents or, you know, our guardians or our peers, whoever it is, and it shapes us down a certain way, doesn't it? And I think for me, the whole point of this, and we're focusing on the, the physical part to a large degree, Steve, but you mentioned brilliantly in my opinion a world a word a word word world tongue tied again health health because that as you say brings in really does open up things so maybe listeners maybe this kind of simplistic way that i've tried to frame this as a polarized black or white you can only have one choice it's either the mind or the body and near the two maybe actually that word in the middle health Acts, acts as a big grey area. What, what's your thoughts around health, Steve, in the in the wider context? Well, I mean, health. We have social health. We have mental health. 
we have physical health. So really, it, health is an is an holistic thing. It covers every aspect of everything we do. We could be perfectly healthily fit, but we could be a social monster. Mm. You know, one thing doesn't reflect the other. We could be really, really socially fit uh, and you know, tick all the boxes for being social and being caring, but we could be in a really poor, healthy state in terms of physical health. Mm. So it depends really where it, it, it's what you're happy with yourself. Labels are put on people and you're right in terms of how we're taught things because, but as humans, we learn very, very slowly as infants. Uh, some animals, as you know, are on their legs within minutes and defending themselves from attackers. So because our brain is so developed, we nurture longer than most mammals do. You also mentioned um, a great word, in my humble opinion, Steve, holistic. It's took me back, and, and listeners, you've, you've heard me refer to this scenario many times before on previous podcasts, around a situation I had when I was, what, 17, 18, where, just let's say I was a lively, colourful character. And there was a man of the cloth, a priest, he called me to one side, a wise old head, didn't know who he was, and he called me over. And he said, I've been watching you, boy. He said, you really think you're something, don't you? And, of course, I actually did. Um, I really did. But it was a mask to hide my vulnerability and my insecurity. And he said, let me tell you something. Now, the thing is with this story, Steve, I, you know, 16, 17, I had not got a clue what he was talking about. But isn't it funny, after all these decades, I've never forgotten his words. And based on the work and the research and the experiential learning, those words have come true. And his words were this. He said, remember, he said, if you get a triangle and split it into four equal parts, at the bottom... The easy part, and these were his words, the easy part is the physical. So that's the bottom base of the triangle. Move up a level into the next part. That's the mental. Move up into the next level is the emotional. And when you get right to the top of that triangle, you are talking about spiritual health. And that trumps everything. Now, I know, Steve, um, you know, with the amazing group that you've run, and I'm very privileged to be part of that, that we kind of had this discussion off air, so to speak, very recently. So I know, yet again, we're going a bit left field into the world of spirituality. But does that have an effect on our body? You know, because what he created was this hierarchy of what I, what I called SEMP. He didn't call it SEMP. So the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, the physical, and you've added in the social, which I think is a very, very valid contribution. Any thoughts around that model, Steve? It's interesting, and I think it, there's a lot to be said for it. And it, it, it's good when you can discuss this with a diverse group of people, really. Um, I think there is, and I think that triangle is good. It depends really what you or, or how you see spiritualist uh, as you know spiritual mm. can you can you lay can you tell me what spiritual is 
well, that's going to mean different things to, to different to people, isn't it? Um, listeners, and part of that, without going too deep, uh, part of that discussion that Steve and I had with the group very recently was around, okay, so, you know, kind of flirting with the same question, really. What is it? Now, everybody will have their own definition of, or perception is the better word, perception of what that the answer to that question is, Steve. You know, for me personally, you know, is it religion? For me personally, the answer is no, it's not. Spirituality for me is that knowing with a big capital K that there is a higher power at play. And that is something that, you know, that's my truth. That's my experience. If people relate to it, great. If they don't relate to it, great. But it's my truth based on my experience and everything that I've come to know along my journey of self-discovery. And I think, Steve, doesn't that principle apply to each and every one of us in, in various ways, even to the point where some people might say, I can't stand the word, I, I, I'm totally, totally against anything like that. Perception is all there is to quote Tom Peters. It's, um, I don't know, spiritual. I, I, I think... It's correct what you say, but everyone's version of it is different. It's like if we say, "Is there a God?" Um, everyone has their own view on that. But I don't know if it's self-preservation that makes us feel like that, thinking that something's going to happen after we die. Some, you know, there's something bigger. Um, I don't know if somewhere deep down, even if you really, really have that belief that somewhere is self-preservation lurking i'm not sure i really don't know myself i really don't understand what spiritualism is myself um that sounds it, it probably doesn't sound right but i i haven't actually i i can't make my mind up it's difficult for me to look at it from an anatomical point of view um a mental point of view and holistic point of view it's just it's a very, very difficult thing to define, in my opinion. Mm, I agree with you. I agree with you. And that's why I think when you look back in, you know, time immemorial, you know, if if I can really play devil's advocate here, listeners, and say that, you know, people in, and I use this term very lightly, power over the decades have got masses on side by brainwashing them to believe a certain doctrine and fight wars over it. Absolutely. So I hear you, Steve, when you, you know, when you, you take that stance and I can, you know, I have conversations with, with people daily around this very subject. And, you know, for me to quote Tom Peters, again, one of the great American quality gurus, quality management gurus, perception is all there is. And I think, Steve, whether we're talking about whatever, wherever aspect of health we're talking about, the big question from a real distilled human perspective is, does it serve me? Does it serve me well? Does it empower me? And that's a belief system that we create, isn't it? For me personally, I would take mine a lot further than just a belief system because the experiences I've had, and I'm on about challenging life situations on more than one occasion where my life's been spared, um, that's not down to me. That's not down to me as a human being. Yeah, 
it, it, there's a lot of theories about it. A, a, an English teacher that I had once said to me, and it's always stuck in my head, really, he said uh, uh, that really this life could be, you could just be the master being yourself, everything that happens around you, you imagine, and therefore everything eventually sort of turns out right because that's how you plan it. And when we stop, we just we just imagine another life. That's an aspect. That's That's a different way of looking at, you know, is there a God? You could be the God yourself. You could be the person that imagines everything that goes on around you. Do you know what, Steve? That's, um, I mean, how many years ago was that said to you, roughly? Probably 45, 50 years ago. Yeah, so a good time ago. That was, I would say, quite an advance. And in my humble opinion, I could very much align with that way of thinking. Now, I, for that to be said, Steve, all those years ago, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know. Was that ahead of its time? It certainly visionary. It was certainly brave to make that kind of statement in those days. It, it was just someone thinking about it mm. and looking at different possible aspects of religion or where we come from or what happened. But, it, but it, you know, I can sit here and think to myself, you know, something. Everything does actually eventually turn out right mm. and you can look around yourself and see people that are killed murdered killed in car crashes die young from cancer but that isn't me i'm imagining that mm. well this this now we are going completely left field so but i think this you know just to sort of pick up on the statement or part of a, a sentence you made there steve around you know when you was quoting your teacher around you know, you could be God, not you personally, but we as individuals could be God. Now, that's a train of thought that's, well, actually, it's more than a train of thought that's gathering a lot of momentum, certainly with the new age philosophy that's more, you know, more prevalent in the last 20 years or so. Um, you know, because when you look at that and, you know, you're very well qualified to talk about anatomies, Steve, but when you look at that sort of how we are connected, in a quantum physics perspective, and we are all connected, even non-human objects, animals, we're all energy, aren't we? So we're all connected. There's actually quite a lot of credence in that line of thinking for a lot of people. It's a fascinating idea, and I wasn't aware that there was any kind of uh, um, belief in, in that now. I, I wasn't aware of that. Mm. Uh, it's obviously someone else is probably going to have similar thoughts, but it's something that's always stuck in my mind. And uh, it's always been at the back of my mind because when it was said to me and I was only young, it stuck, it, it actually triggered something in my head. And I thought, you know what? That's a, that seems feasible in a way. Mm. But then I thought, well, if it is me that's making all the decisions, then why is someone telling me that? when I already know it. <laughs> That's getting a bit deep, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is, Steve, but it, I mean, the thing, it is, but I can actually, from my own point of view, see, I mean, if we can introduce a, a word called awareness, you know, listeners, yet again, you've heard me say this so many times, I think it's very relevant here in terms of what Steve and I are talking about. And it goes back to the very, very, very first podcast I did. Mastering the game of life is as simple as A, B, C. 
And just a quick recap, the A is for awareness. That's the word, Steve, we haven't used this thus far, but it seems very appropriate to use it now. Awareness, B for beliefs, C, and initially, I use the word creativity, thinking about things differently. The modern term, I think, is thinking outside the box. But I've actually changed that C very, very, very recently to choices. So, you know, we've got awareness. Well, what is awareness? We're led to believe and understand it's a form of consciousness, which is a very, very, very spiritual term in modern day language. But what is this awareness? For me, it's simply what we see, what we feel, what we think, or is it? Maybe it's that detachment. So if we can be an observer of ourselves, so when the, you know, somebody challenges Steve and, you know, I don't know, um, say you're involved in a debate and it gets a bit heated, then our friend in the mind called the ego is going to step in and he or she, no, I am going to be right and I am going to win this argument because now this is personal between me and you. And actually the whole point of the discussion in the first place has been lost because I'm just going to win this argument. And this is the ego at play. I think you used, you used two interesting words there, discussion and argument. Mm. And uh, as a lecturer, um, particularly if you have fairly big groups of people, then you have to ensure that you chair it correctly and discussions don't become arguments because you can't, there's no room for egos when we have discussions like this because neither one of us is right or wrong. It's interesting to put two different angles together and meet them in the middle. Yeah, I understand that, Stephen. You know, I, I do agree with that. You know, we are having this discussion now in the context of it. You know, we're just batting ideas around what I call having a dance. You know, we're exchanging energy. We're exchanging thoughts, experiences. Call it what you will. So it's in a very convivial, respectful environment. But, you know, isn't it true that people can start off, you know, um, strangers, for example, you know, I don't know, just having a nice discussion and it can turn. It can turn very quickly where, as you say, ego steps in and all of a sudden I or the other person, somebody's got to be right. And the point of which that discussion started has been lost completely. This is all about this preservation again, isn't it? I am going to be right. You only have to look at Brexit for that. <laughs> oh, there's a political op potato, Steve. That's a well, one. <laughs> it's, it's come to a point, really, where I think people are scared to say how they feel for fear of repercussions and reprisals. And, and all we're doing is discussing our freedoms and putting across a personal opinion. But it becomes so heated, it becomes personal when it isn't personal. Mm. Yeah. And, and do you know what? Actually, that's a great example of the point. That's a perfect example of how emotions creep into what can start off as a, a rational, respectful discussion between, say, just two people at, at, at its core source, just two people. And then all of a sudden, well, actually, Fred, Joe, but I don't really agree with that. What makes you say that? Oh, don't you raise your tone of voice to me? And all of a sudden, you know, the ball's rolling downhill, so to speak, isn't it? Yeah, it, 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 you see it all the time. It's the same in America with the elections there. 
you know, complete strangers attacking each other just because they have a difference of opinion. Uh, and, and not, you know, not massively, not outrageous uh, views sometimes. Some of them, uh, you know, if you can be to the left and to the right and you can almost meet in the centre, but they become so different and so opposing to each other that it can actually be physical, which obviously de defeats the whole object of discussion, freedom and democracy. The whole thing falls when it turns to that. And uh, I think history has proved itself over, well, over time, hasn't it, that invariably it, uh, there's a consistency of that happening, isn't it? You know, when the people that, you know, the so-called leaders sit round tables and uh, just, let's say, things fall apart without being too political at this stage. But more than happy, Steve, to invite you back. Because what's been interesting for, and have another discussion, because what's been interesting for me about this, we started off, listeners, did we not, around a title of body and mind, separate or entwined. And I'm going to invite you to kind of close in a couple of minutes, Steve, around that title question. Um, but it's interesting how we've, we've gone into so many other areas um, and just probably just touched the surface. So I want to ask you in at this stage, Steve, to, to share your contact details, how people can find out more about you, the work that you do, who are you, et cetera, et cetera. So I just invite you in, as I say, to, you know, to share your details. I'm always happy for anyone that wants to email me if they have any questions or like to discuss anything. My email is steve at ptq.co.uk.com. Sorry, steve at ptq.uk.com. And I'll be more than happy to hear from anyone. And as you know, listeners, those um, those um, contact details will be in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't quite catch that on the audio. They will be in the show notes. So the, the closing question then, Steve, what's been a, you know, <laughs> I want to thank you because I've, I've really enjoyed this. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed it too. And you've got something out of it, even if we have or haven't between us um, come to a conclusive answer. But Steve, you have the final word on that. So I put it to you, body and mind, separate or entwined? Ooh, I think they're definitely entwined. Uh, they have to be. They're, they are two very, very separate things. But if they don't come together, there's no holistic person, is there? To use that word again, you know, yeah, to be a complete person, I think we have to have both, both things healthy and functioning. Super. Thank you, Steve. And uh, as is my right as a host, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my powder dry because what I'd like to do, Steve, is invite you back, um, as I say, at the risk of repeating, fascinating discussion. Thank you so much. And all that remains now, listeners, is for me to sign off by saying, remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the game's ever-changing. How will you master it? <laughs>